when I was younger, my nana, my grandmother, taught me to, well, she taught me a lot of things spiritually. Um, but one of the things she always told me was to not discuss my private spiritual matters with anybody because most people won't understand. And you're bound to scare more people. They might think lesser of you or whatever. It's just better to just sort of keep things to yourself unless a conversation happened organically, naturally. She didn't use the word organically. She sort of was in... She was implying that when you're talking to somebody and a conversation comes up about something spiritual that might be um, something that, that you both can talk about, that's the right time to talk about that type of stuff. I think that's what she was implying. In fact, I know that's what she was implying. Um, for example, she, she told stories of some mis- mystical stuff. I can't... I can't repeat it only because she asked me not to, but there was some pretty incredible stuff that happened in her life. And um, like she said, if you don't thoroughly understand it, you're definitely going to look at it as being odd. Let me let me cite the UFO sightings or Big, Bigfoot sightings or Loch Ness Monster sightings or things like that. There are people that believe that kind of stuff. There's things called urban legends and myths and all that kind of stuff and some people believe in it and some people don't that's just the way things are sort of like the nature of things um so when you want to talk about this stuff i have a i have a close friend that talks quite frequently about things like uh he told me he really believes this too that aliens came to this planet a long time ago planted their gold and left the planet. They planted it and left it to hide it. He had a lot of evidence to back it up. In fact, in, in a court of law, it, it make a very good case. And that seems to be the way things are in general um, with people, is that there's always evidence. There's always, um, there's always uh, things to back up people's opinions. I mean, if you look today at the at the left, they call it the left and the right, you know, as far as politics goes, you know, you've got the conservatives and liberals and all these other names and tags that, that people use, but they each have their own evidence. They only have, they have their own ideals, but mostly their own evidence. You know, you take Donald Trump, the 45th president of the United States, um, his views on various things like there was collusion of working with Russia he's got evidence against that and then you've got the Democrats who prove they have a lot of evidence that proves that he is was colluding with Russia you've always got this he said she said type of thing Um, for most things I think Um, I think the most practical way of approaching things is sort of neutral open-minded um, kind of like, I never thought of it that way. Tell me more. Or, that's interesting. I never thought of it like that. I can tell you one thing for sure, is that nobody likes to be preached to. Nobody likes to be professed to, especially things that they don't want to be professed about. They don't like to be told what to do. Believe, bossed. 
And I think that's a big problem today with, with a lot of different um, religious sectors, spiritual and religious sectors. Be it you're a Buddhist or a Christian, a monk, you're Jewish, you're you know, Muslim, pick any one of them, right? We, we each might have been raised a certain way to, to believe certain things. We may feel in our own hearts a certain way um, and we cling to that and we, we want to follow that. It's our own choice for various r rhymes and reasons. You can break it down into simple things like uh, when I was growing up, I liked the rock group Kiss. You know, I thought it was cool how they painted their faces and all that stuff. And I had a close friend of mine who his mother wouldn't let him listen to the albums because she thought they were the devil. They were the spawn of the devil. So, you know, he never really got to have those albums in his house. That's just how it was. It could be, you know, I grew up in Connecticut and um, I grew up a Yankee fan. Uh, I used to have Yankee shirts and Yankee pennants on my wall and Yankee hats and helmets. You know, New York wasn't all that far away. Moved to Boston, around the Boston area, and um, I'd wear a Yankee hat, and I'd have, even this day if I wear it, I get people to say some pretty obnoxious, seriously obnoxious things, angry. I was in a pizza shop once when, when I first moved to Massachusetts, and a couple of guys were giving me a real hard time, insisting I take it off. They were really, really serious, too. Um, it's incredible how you share an opinion, sometimes in the wrong setting, you can get yourself in a lot of trouble. You have, ah, I hate the word race because I really don't like it. I really don't like the word race, but there's, there's all kinds of horrible racial negative stuff going on today. You know, you've got, you've got different, different cultures and different races and different religions fighting against one another, literally fighting against one another. You've got, you know, Hamas over, across from Israel lobbing bombs at each other for, for a long, long time. You've got so many different places, like even North and South Korea, though there are varying differences. And, you know, communists and uh, democratic societies are battling. You've got people that hate America and you've got people that love America. You know, you've, you've got uh, people that are for abortion, people are against abortion. You've got people that are for marijuana and people that are against marijuana. And it's just interesting if you draw a line with your foot on the sand and say, this is my place, this is where I stand behind. That can be challenging because you want to stand behind your line sometimes, if that's what you're into, because it's important to you. And there are other times where you don't, you just sort of neutral, you sort of float. And uh, that can be dangerous as well, though, because if you feel, for example, let's say you feel passionate about um, cruelty to, oh, this is a good one, actually, cruelty to um, animals, and you decide to become vegan, live a vegan eating lifestyle, because you don't like how cows are treated. So for those of you who don't know, that don't know, most of the time in most meat factories, they'll take cows, they'll herd them, they'll grow them as big as they can for meat, and they'll pen them in. It's horrible. If you ever look it up, YouTube it, um, you look it up, it's just a horrible, horrible thing, but it's factual. 
they pin them up and they they fire a uh, almost like a gun, like a metal a metal rod thing that smashes into their scalp. And if they're, I don't want to say if they're lucky, but they're they're meant to be killed instantly so they could take all of their skin off and start chopping them up. But sometimes they're living when they do it. It's very terrible. It's very terrible. So you watch that, you can see why people get all frustrated about not eating meat. Um, I can understand that. Um, but you got people that are, you know, hardcore vegan, but then you've also got, you know, people that are pro farming and they love the animals. You've got the native American Indians years ago who just and still do. They stay cherish nature. They cherish life. They cherish all of the animals of, of the animal kingdom and of this earth. And, you know, so again, different views, different, different religions, different takes. It's just, there's such a, difference in the way people are today and i think the divisions the the lines are like the dotted line i see on the highway you know you have all these the dashed line anyway on a passing a legally passing highway there's just so many dashed lines and everybody's standing on one side or the other and it can get pretty ugly people actually get violent and get angry and uh they to a point where they almost hate each other um the reason I bring this up, too, is my, my daughter comes home and she was frustrated because, you know, she's she's only a freshman in high school and go figure with high school. And uh, I guess a bunch of her friends, nine of her friends decided to get up from the table and, uh, and, and make their permanent table somewhere else without her. They sort of left her behind. Now, I, I was boggled by it. You know, I, I, I asked her, you know, what, what did you what did you say to make them do that? And. You know, she didn't outright say anything. There's no real reason for it. Um, there's probably more to that story, but the, the point of it is that you sort of have these cliques and clubs that, that stick together. Now, one may argue that this clique of nine kids, they all had their rhyme and reason for doing what they did. So they have a legitimate story, right? Because that's, that's their view. Now, one could argue, too, that, you know, one of them might be the, from what I understand, uh, a troublemaker that sort of sometimes uh, troublemaking, troublemaking clans have a leader just as much as, uh, you know, peacemakers might have a, a leader. You know, you think of somebody like Greta Thunberg, who who works really hard to stand up for, you know, global warming and, and other other things to, that to, to do with the planet. She's actually getting into food now. She's speaking for peace, but she's a so-called peacemaker. You know, she can create quite a stir. Then you've got the other side, you know, that are, you know, wait, there's no such thing as uh, global warming. I don't, you know, this isn't fair that she's bringing this up. You're always going to have the opposition. So back to the, the high school thing, the freshman thing, I think that happens in any any gathering whatsoever. I mean, it could be grade school, middle school, high school, after school. It could be in a workplace. It could be in the military. It can be anywhere that you're going to have divisions, subdivisions. They're going to have these subdivisional sects of people sticking together that believe in or not believe in certain things. It's just sort of the way life is. Now, it can be a very, very crappy position to be in if you're the if you're the recipient of some kind of hate. It's, it's, it's a terrible place to be in because 
you're either not liked, not appreciated, not respected, more or less sort of disbarred or disbanded from, from certain groups because they don't agree with you. Now, the ideal relationship is the relationship of trust and love and kindness and all that, where you don't have to really worry what other people think. You follow your own heart and you do what you think is right, speak what you think is right, um, and you live a life of honesty where you just, you just live that lifestyle. There's a risk associated with that. What do you risk? Well, you risk others not liking it. You risk other people not wanting to to, to, to join you. You might be lonely. You risk being lonely because nobody believes you. I know many people that have done that type of thing. They're very reclusive, but they're, they're, they're stuck to their, their view, no matter what. That's how they view it, that's how they see it, and that's, by gosh, how they're gonna live their life. Um, so there, there's sometimes a risk associated with that. And that, of course, depends on your personality because there are people out there that have the personality of a fiery personality. They don't care. They don't give a crap what anyone else thinks. They just do what they want to do. That's just that's just what they do. It's their personality. And there are other people who are very, very emotional and uh, they can't handle other people not liking them for such and such. So it kind of depends on your personality. So every situation is different. But I guess I'm speaking to people that maybe dealing with, maybe they're the recipient of that end of the coin. Me personally, through my life, I've definitely been at the, the unfortunate end of the stick. Um, you know, even with family, teasing me and ridiculing me for my religious beliefs and um, even close family members telling me, you know, preaching, literally preaching me, preaching to me not to preach, you know, that's your view. You shouldn't put that on anybody else. And how could you? And how dare you? And, you know, making fun of it. I've been uh, at family gatherings where I've caught them making fun of and teasing the fact that I, you know, am involved in some of this spiritual stuff. And now you could look at it two ways. You could look at it as, well, that's not right. That's not fair. But you could also look at it as, well, you know, that's how they view it. That's how they see it. So where do I stand? I, I sort of stand neutral in a way because I don't know their story. I don't know anybody's story. Whoever's going to fight against something, I don't know their side to it. And I think it's a, I think it's a relatively wise idea to hear that side of it. Almost like saying, read their book, read the story to try to figure out what it is they're trying to accomplish. You can learn a lot from that just by opening your mind, your heart, just to say, what's what's that like on your end, on your side of the fence? What What's going on there? I'll take Greta Thunberg again from, from Sweden, where, you know, many people I know say, oh, I can't stand that girl. She's a, she's annoying. Okay, what what about? Well, I don't know. She's just causing trouble. They, they don't know anything much beyond that. So that's forming a judgment, an opinion, without really knowing the situation. And that's their choice. They have the right to do that, obviously. But I don't think it's very wise because they're missing out on what could possibly be something at least intelligent enough to absorb so that you can make a more sort of a kind-hearted but confident decision and therefore having an effect on others in a, in a meaningful way, if that makes any sense. In other words, 
now that I know what she stands for, I can have a more intelligent, Greta Thunberg, that is, have an intelligent conversation with other people about her and what she stands up for to hopefully get to the best solution. So, for example, with global warming, you know, I could say that, you know, she chooses not to fly in jets because the jets are one of the biggest um, creators of pollution. The amount of fuel that an airplane burns and packs in all this garbage into our atmosphere, there's an actual truth behind that. And I did my own research and looked into that. And, and there's a lot of smog and smoke that airplanes pump into the environment. It makes sense. They're burning tremendous amounts of kerosene or um, airliner fuel to, to fly these heavy machines and fly people all over the world. There's, there's truth behind that. But unless I looked into it and what she stands behind, I wouldn't have known that. And that creates a different conversation than just a pure judgment call. Boom, you're an idiot, that's it, you know? I'm just saying that you don't get as much out of that. In fact, most judgments are wrong. Most judgments are wrong. Some are, some are fairly accurate, but most are wrong because you don't know the entire picture. And even when you think you know the entire picture, you still don't know the entire picture. Um, so anyway, thinking about the differences in, in people's hearts and minds, um, you watch little kids, you know, when, when I was watching our, our children growing up, you know, they had different, different personalities. But generally speaking, you know, they're happy kids and they're huggy kids and they play together and they have differences. They'd have, you know, one likes this and one likes that and, that, and they got along. They did okay with that. Sometimes they'd have their disagreements, and that's, that's how it goes. But you'll notice through high school, or as you become a young adult, you start to have and form your own opinions and ideas, and start to, you sort of start to magnetically move in various directions towards like-minded folks, which is kind of sort of how it should be anyway, right? I mean, if you are, for example, a Christian, a, a Bible-holding Christian, you're probably going to do much better by hanging around with more Bible-holding Christians. Why is that? Because there's a common language, kind of like a language barrier. It's a commonality. You know, it makes, makes the conversations and the values align a little bit better. But that doesn't mean you can't hang out with other people and have good synergy with people that aren't. So, for example, I've, I've, I've had and I still have friends, very close friends, that are would be considered very um, anti-Bible, so to speak, uh, anti-God, so to speak. But I personally don't judge them or characterize them as anything because to me they're, they're a fellow living being on this planet and they're a friend. And, you know, they have views to share that I'd never consider. But, I, you know, I think their views are equally important to hear. And they, but I will say this, though, they're, they're also open to having discussions, too, with me. And neither of us will preach to one another. In other words, you do this or you'll go to hell versus, you know, they, they, they don't come back to me and tell me that I'm, I'm bad for doing what I'm doing. And I don't tell them they're bad for doing what they're doing. We may have disagreements. You know, there are things they do which I think are, are wrong or, or would be considered evil-like. And if it's bad enough, I definitely speak up um, just, just to share my take as a friend um, and vice versa. They'll tell me the same thing. 
Um, I've had friends tell me, asking me nicely to tone it down. Um, same with Zen, Zen and Buddhism and things. A lot of a lot of times people feel very uncomfortable with that. They think it's weird. They think it's spooky. They think it's creepy or just just goofy. So so I don't often share a lot of this stuff with a lot of people. I don't have to share a lot of that stuff with a lot of people because it's my path. It's something that I've chosen to uh, to go on to, to hold on to, to seek after, and to to share with like-minded people. Um, it's something very important to me, and I think that's everybody's mission and everybody's right is uh, you know finding something they love and they're very passionate about and sharing that with others. I think that's that's the way it should be. I think fundamentally, though, no matter what your beliefs are, being kind to one another is important. That's something you don't need a religious um, book to tell you how to do, being kind to one another. I mean, if you review a lot of the, the precepts of the Bible, the, the commandments of the Bible that were written a long time ago, or if you ask Catholics or Christians, you know, what their primary values are, and then you ask a lot of religious um, sects, um, what their views are, you know, like Buddhism and the, the Noble Eightfold Path. There's a lot of similarities between all of these. Um, treating treating people with respect and kindness is, uh, I don't know, it's just sort of an overarching thing. You don't even need that. It's it's given the choice of being being nasty or being kind. It's a no-brainer. So that's just something to think about. The differences of who we are and what we believe who we share that with and how we share that, and does it attribute to to growth and connectedness? And can we learn from one another? One another? Can we grow together? Can we share with one another? Think of your place in the world. Think of the things you believe in. Think of the conversations you have with other people. And I would challenge you to be open-minded to hearing other sides but also to have the confidence and the security and strength to, to stick to your guns, to stick to your morals, ethics, and values at the same time. Because there are people that will try to detract you away for sometimes some subconscious reasons and sometimes conscious reasons. So you have to watch out for that. Be careful about that because you, you want to be open-minded and be willing to meander a bit here or there on this path of life because that's how we learn things but at the other on the other hand you also want to be a good strong leader and a good strong guide and stand behind what it is you you believe in and how do you know that it's the right thing you feel it you know it you just sort of know it in your gut as my friend ken would say you trust your gut because uh trust your gut records is sort of a commercial for him right here trust your gut records he he designs uh, labels for, for musicians and things like CD covers and musician-based stuff. Ken Rassicott, a good man, great, great friend, and uh, pretty cool idea there, buddy. Trust your gut. Um, so trust your own gut. Because it's sort of, uh, as Jack Cornfield often says, the one who knows, as his uh, teacher Ajahn Chah told him, the one who knows, the one inside of you that knows what's right and what's wrong 
who to hang out with, who not to hang out with, when to speak, how to speak, you know, whether to use compassion and love or anger and frustration. There's something inside of you that knows. So I challenge you to follow that. 